K-Hen is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. K-Hen and Little Red Hen, just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. K-Hen is supported in part by Hilltop Broadband. Hilltop Broadband for residential and business wireless internet service. Servicing Salida and Poncha Springs in Chaffee County, as well as areas in Fremont County, Custer County, and more. To experience the Hilltop difference and request new customer information, email info at hilltop-broadband.com or call toll-free 877-783-2889. Welcome, friends, to another edition of On the Rails. With me, your host, Forrest Whitman. We're here at KHEN 106.9 on your FM dial, or you can always listen to us on the podcast. Just dial up khen.org and go along, and pretty quickly you will will find our our, uh, podcasts there and listen to them. Or you can listen to iTunes. Or if you want to listen directly, why there's a, a 11 o'clock Wednesday morning or a 9 o'clock Sunday morning. You can also just dial in on your phone. Whew. So many ways to hear this show. And we're pretty excited today to invite you into the caboose because the caboose is today we're featuring a telephone. Yes, we have a telephone in the caboose. And we are going to talk to our guest, Ralph Taylor, former mayor of... Uh, Salida, Colorado, and we're going to talk to him on a telephone. But that doesn't mean we're going to be cold, because I've already put some coal in, into the stove and kicked it around in there. So the caboose is warming up back here. And also pulling this train is our engineer, Rick White. So we might hear from here. Make sure he's out. Are you up? Stop. Up, up. Rick, can we hear you? Everything looks good here, Forrest. Um, RT, can you hear us fine? I hear you fine. I was just realizing I had Cahan on the radio and it wasn't coming through, but I understand this is being recorded to be yeah. played at some other time. Very good. <laughs> okay, All right. I'll, I'll figure this out. Thank you for that uh, introduction, Forrest. It looks like clear sailing today. It's a beautiful day. And um, I'm very excited to have RT as a guest. And I think you've got some uh, good subject matter. And why don't we just get this going? Let's get it going. Well, R.T., you were mayor of uh, Salida during some significant years, certainly during the period that the railroad was, uh, as we say, pulling out of, of Salida. You must have been here when uh, uh, Mr. Anschutz bought our local railroad. And uh, what, what, was, what, was your, what was the reaction around town at that time when Anschutz did buy the railroad? Um. I'm actually not sure when he bought it and how soon after he bought it that they pulled out. Um, there, they kind of took off in a number of 
different phases. Um, I came in 72 and there was still, uh, they still switched crews here in town. So there were all the upstairs and all these old buildings were basically uh, rooming houses for railroad workers that were spending the night. So uh, lower F Street was considered uh, uninhabitable because of bar fights and uh, hell raising down there. It was it was like the old Wild West. And it wasn't too long after that. Boy, uh, I've got this theory that some people know where they are and some people know when they were there. And I'm a where person. And <laughs> not a when. So when, when things happen, don't register with me, but you you can't get me lost. But I, uh, I used to have that building. They called it the Lovelace there at 142 and 140 West first. I think that's the, that's the antique mall and the, uh, the uh, shoe store now. But I, my, my apartment was in the back and I used to sit up there and watch the, uh, train come down from the, uh, from the limestone quarry, especially in the winter when the, the wheels were so hot, they were steaming and it, and it, uh, it transferred the, the limestone into the yard to go down to Pueblo for the steel mill. So, uh, and Pete Baroni had the coal yard there along, uh, the track and where Earl Kittleman lives. That was, that was the office for the coal yard. So I had a bird's eye view. Actually, I could sit in my bathtub and, and watch the train go by, but it was, uh, go by. Those, well, before, before we it, gloss uh, over, over that, let's slow you down for a second. Where Earl Kittleman lives now uh, was the uh, transfer point for barrels of, of beer, I believe, and people can still see it at First Street and uh, where it is located next to the uh, little stream there is, or ditch, whatever you want to call it. The Trail, yeah. Yeah, yeah. East now, the Salided Trail. And um, so it's, it's easily, that's one landmark that's easily seen as you go along uh, First Street. It's a pretty little building. But anyhow, uh, I'm not sure, you know, it was, those were kind of the hell raising days and it seemed like uh, just one day that they, the, the most significant thing is all of a sudden that little uh, Art Nouveau Depot disappeared one night and we knew things were changing. Uh, and then they started, uh, not run, not changing shifts up here, so we didn't have the workers spending the night up here. And then uh, pretty soon there were less trains, and then then uh, after a while they were gone. So the timing of it all, I'm not sure of at all. It just, uh, but it was it was such a huge deal. I think I showed you a picture the other day, Forrest, of the the railroad yard taken from not up on Tenderfoot, but more to the west. And you could see there were 25 trains lined up in there. You know, I mean, it was a huge facility. It was uh, the heart and soul of Salida, really. I mean, almost everybody in town, I think, uh, you know, had some some involvement with the railroad. But it's, uh, I, you know, I think we talked the other day, and I was saying I thought that the uh, that little narrow gauge caboose at the end of F Street didn't really ad- adequately represent what the railroad meant to this town i mean they, they need a big boy or one of those huge yeah. steam engines or something like that to really represent i mean it was big you know it was you know you look at this picture and there's 25 trains lined up across from the, from the 25. river to Tenderfield. Yeah. well and yeah. to adequately so, uh, 
Well, I mean, not, not to interrupt, but to, to adequately uh, represent the fact that when uh, General Palmer first laid out this railroad, as, as he did, uh, and during, during his periods of financial stress and blah, blah, but he always came back to Salida. He always said Salida is going to be the belt buckle on his, uh, on his railroad empire, which, of course, would go over uh, to Minturn up over the past yep. and turn that way, then down to Gunnison, uh, and that was would go over Marshall Pass uh, to Gunnison that way, then up to the limestone quarry, because the, the demand for limestone for steel making was just incredible. Yep. Yeah, and then a little coal spur that he also wanted to run, which Kittleman and I once went hiking back in there looking for it. I don't think we found too much, but there, there, there was that coal spur through there. And then, of course, from there on south. So um, once you were over, once you were over the hump and headed south, why um, not to get, get too graphic, get too much in the, in the, in the graphs. But uh, there you had very low grade coal deposits as well. And you could pull those out from places like Antonito. Um, and, uh -huh. um, and also, since we're just looking at his dream, much of this dream did come true, certainly as far as Trinidad to the south. And of course, then the railroad war happened and he was stopped by the railroad war. And we could spend all morning talking about that. But just, just to say that... Uh, at that point, we were the the golden belt buckle, if you will. He never said that way, but certainly the the buckle on uh, Palmer's belt was Salida. I didn't mean to interrupt with all that history, but just to say that when you're talking about what we saw, boy, it was there. It was. Yeah. Well, you know, I talked to you the other day that that uh, um, I would was talking to well it was a rumor around salida you know how salida rumors go but the rumor Still was go, that yeah. possibly the the uh city was going to work with the railroad and help demolish the uh old machine shop or repair shop whatever it is the, the remains of it it's still down there where calco was was crushing materials they had a big crusher in there and i go down there because i live on the other side of the tracks over here in hollywood and I walk my dog down there every once in a while, and that that building is is a an amazingly historic building, you know. And, and to I to just randomly tear it down to uh, win favor with the railroad or something just doesn't seem like a good idea to me. Uh, so I've been checking into it. I I ran into some people that that did the uh, I think it's called the freight up in Leadville. It's an an architect a uh, couple that restored that building up there and they had gone down here and taken a bunch of pictures and they had their lawyer contacted the railroads uh real estate in uh i think he's in omaha uh the guy in heart in charge of the real estate and he said that that midland is it midland the, the outfit that's talking about trying to run stuff well they call rail? themselves the colorado Midland and Pacific is what they call themselves. Yeah. Well, they they apparently still have an, either an option on a lease or a lease for another year and a half before 
and and their lease actually includes that that's what the lady said the eight acres that that uh old machine shop is setting on down there and so it's tied up for another year and a half but she also said the railroad wasn't interested in doing anything with that building other than at least not more than one year at a time and she said that it would make it difficult to try and do anything with that building if you could only get a one-year lease but i was hoping the railroad would show enough interest to help slowly transform that thing into a railroad museum which you know that big old building with a couple of big engines in it would make a great museum that would i think would really represent what Salida used to used to mean to the railroad but um i'm not sure i could just be pissing in the wind as they say or something for for uh whether anything can come of that but i'm really going to try and keep them from tearing it down i mean that's a you know it's a great big old steel frame building that uh where they before they had welding they it's all riveted together i mean it's it's a, a historic building that needs to be saved there's a huge crane in there that runs the full length of that building i think is about the size of a football field and it's the crane has, runs on a big track on each side and it also has a little carrier that goes back and forth across it that they could pick these cars up and stuff uh but i mean you know there's not another building like that in the whole county i mean it's absolutely crazy to cut it down and i'm not sure i'm not sure where the their the historic society in salida said they didn't have anything to say about that because it wasn't in the historical district and i don't know I don't think the county has a historical society. There might be a state historical society that would be interested, but I just wish the railroad itself would would say, you know what, you know, there's not much sense in tearing it down. It really would make a good good museum, but I guess that remains to be seen. That remains we to went be in seen. There. Go ahead. Well, the the Colorado Midland. Now we've had her on this, on this uh, here, this our little railroad show here on the rails. And she's described it as uh, a work in progress. They are not opposed to the idea of a passenger train, which would, could run, <laughs> technically could run from uh, Canyon City uh, across through Salida, up over Tennessee Pass, uh, down to, uh, well, Minturn at least on the other side, possibly all the way uh, down to the river where, of course, they could, you know, they could uh, be there when the Amtrak uh, comes through. And um, that's, uh, you know, that's really possible. And uh, they're not opposed to that idea. They, uh, of course, would want to ship a lot of freight. The question is, what kind of freight? And she assures us that in their application to the railroad for their, their lease application, that they were very clear that they would not haul hazardous materials. And people keep saying, oh, they're gonna haul um, waxy crude. Shall we do a divergence on that? Let's just divert for a second to say that the kind of waxy crude that they're gonna be pumping out in Utah is uh, very heavy. Waxy is is it it has to be kept warm has to be you know warmed tanker cars to move it it's very very heavy stuff 
uh, it would it would never go over Tennessee Pass. They just the economics of it would be too much. So um, so those are some facts that we do know about the lease. Uh, they won't share the details of the lease, but that's it. But go uh, ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt with with all that. But no, no. I would. That well, I'm just you know my mind just runs along here. I was that I was remembering. I must have been in the seventies that uh, they were built. They were building uh, uh, one of the stages of of uh, I think what, what I'm not sure which kind of missiles they were on the uh, the nuclear submarines. And they were building them, and I think it was the third stage or something, in uh, somewhere around Salt Lake. And they were actually coming through town here. Wow! And we had an organization who was tracking them. They'd call from from uh, Salt Lake, and so everybody sometimes would be out there at three o'clock in the morning with signs <laughs> when the train would come rolling through town, uh, carrying these things. They went down to Kings Bay, Florida, Kings Bay, Georgia, I think it was something like that down there where they had a, a nuclear sub base down there. And that's where they loaded them up and put them on the submarines. But uh, we used to track those missiles. I, those They came through here on just, you know, we had the numbers on the cars and everything. They looked just like a regular car. And uh, we'd track them as they went down the line. But the, uh, actually, one of them derailed somewhere down by Wellsville. And the Mountain Mail had an article about it. And it said a train derailed, and it said it had Navy motors on <laughs> it. Navy motors were actually a third stage of a, of a, I think they were Nike missiles. I'm not sure what kind they were. It's been a long time ago, but they they brought those right over over Tennessee Pass and and right through town. Uh, I always thought that the that the uh, just the repair and upkeep of the rails was to bring all those rails back up to standard and stuff was going to be so expensive that it might be difficult to uh, make money using this track anymore. I don't know that. I don't know if I have any information to back that up or not, but I always thought that maintenance was going to be a big issue. Well, certainly on this, this show <laughs> on the rails here at KGN, why we, uh, we interviewed several people who were involved in, Part of that maintenance effort, part of trying to understand what that would all mean. And um, this one fellow we interviewed, he, he was pretty clear that it wouldn't be as difficult as people seem to think. He said it just depends on what kind of level you want to have. That is the uh, FRA right now, uh, Federal Railroad Administration, they limit you to about 25 miles an hour if you have a class three track. So a lot of this track, if you pulled out the weeds and replaced a few ties, what could be class three today? Now, of course- Oh, I see. Yeah, well, yes and no. I mean, it obviously take a lot of work, but um, uh, this this gentleman was saying, it's, it's not nearly as difficult as if you want to get it up to like a two or Heaven for a fan of one, um, which those those things. I mean, that's something else. That's when you're going to go 70 miles an hour with an Amtrak bullet train. <laughs> They're equivalent of a bullet yeah. train, a slow <laughs> yeah. bullet train. But anyway, uh, that's another whole issue too. But but all he was saying was, you know, it it might not be as uh, difficult a task 
as as you think. Yeah. Bring it up to that low level of track. I see. And yeah, well, go ahead, go ahead. So yeah, you but you no, remember, I, I, but you remember when the when they started to shut the yards down. Then. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the first thing I noticed is is that the guys just they they didn't have a shift change here in town, so that was big. You know, instead of lots of railroad guys here every night, you know, the bars felt it, and and those rooms uh, ended up empty. You know, upstairs. That's why you know you, I bought a real cheap old building when I first came to town in '72. It was uh, the rooms upstairs were empty, but uh, you know, it's like upstairs in the Vic now. That's still a bunch of empty rooms up there. But anyhow, oh, my mind doesn't really uh, keep up with things so much. I just realized those those were Trident missiles, not Nike missiles. So I won't drag Nike's name into this. Well, <laughs> but the missiles we, uh, were, were Tridents, yeah. Well, we're walking down nostalgia lane here because in 1968, I was uh, number one, a, a forever a doctoral student at the University of. That's another old story. Let's not do all that. Let's say that I was at least yeah. uh, many nights working as a switchman, brakeman, once in a while, even I could hold conductor, believe it or not, out of the old New York Central Yards in Chicago. And um, uh, we had in this, I remember the date, it was 1968, probably the spring. And um, we were sitting in the switch shack going down our switch list uh, for the night. And all of a sudden, guys in suits came in. And uh, we thought, oh, my God, we're in trouble now. He said, are you Whitman? I said, yeah. He said, okay. He said, well, this train, you're going to be, you're, you're not going to switch this train. You're just going to move these cards through uh, the Chicago interchange and because they're going east. And I said, well, what are they? He said, well, we're not, we can't tell you what they are. So as soon as the guys with suits left, the other guys, the railroad guys came in and said, oh, yeah, they're, they're missiles. <laughs> they look like kind of regular yeah. cars, but what those are is missiles, and they're just dangerous as hell. So whatever you do, don't hump them. Don't hit them. Just gradually just move them through, and then you're out of your hair. So that was 1968. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I, I don't know what the international Well, like scene. I say, yeah, they had those things coming through town here, and like I said, one of them derailed. <laughs> down by God. down by Wellsville, you know, and they quietly got it back on the track and got it the hell out of there. But yeah, you know, like the Mountain Mail said it was Navy Motors. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know the Mountain Mail. Was, well, that's another whole yeah. thing. <laughs> hey, wow. Forrest. Well, anyway, I'm yes. I'm looking for all the help I can find to save that building down there too. That that was one kind of one of the main issues let's, that I let's was talk yeah, about. <laughs> Uh, the engineer, uh, the, uh, head end to Caboose. Caboose is listening, head end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good, Forrest. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, really nice to have you as a guest here today, RT. And this is very interesting topic for this show. And uh, we've got about five minutes left of this first half of the interview. So I want oh you gosh. to think about that, Forrest. And I also want to thank Forrest listeners for donating to KHEN through our khen.org. Forrest has uh, listeners all over the place for this show. 
I'm happy to be a part of it with him. And uh, we've seen a little uptick on the donations because of On the Rails with Boris Whitman. And so figure out how you want to close this half out and I'll give you another, uh, another bump at about one minute left to go and go. Okay. Well, you tell them about that thousand dollar donor who uh, it turned out that thousand. <laughs> All right. That thousand dollars had a few contingencies. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, you know, it's, it's so interesting. The, the railroad history is just intertwined with, with this town. Um, Saturday morning. Uh, well, let's not, well, let's not go there. Let's just to say that sometimes in that coffee group that I attend over there, we do get a few of the old time rails in there. And we had a guy once this summer and he was older than I am. I think he was seven, five years older than me. So he had to be, what, 85 years old. Wow. Anyway, he had worked the Tennessee Pass line and he said it wasn't uncommon for them to have 12, not eight, not six, not 10, but 12 engines uh, working over that hump. Oh That's just hard, uh, hard to imagine. Uh, uh, probably four, two, and well, and maybe six on the head. Anyway, I, how how do they do that? So th this was not this was not easy railroading, is all I'm going to say. And well, RT, go ahead and comment on all that if you want to. Well, I'll I'll just uh, be getting ready for the second half here. <laughs> okay, yeah, because we need to t do some action stuff. We actions that we can that we can take well okay um and oh by the way that same fellow and uh, he was friends with a, a gentleman who lives in mexico who does um i it, it's some kind of work with um metal sculpture and he i i, I didn't understand quite what even my spanish used to be great it was pretty pretty good still but um, they used to come up here and they would get a lot of precious metals right from Salida. Now, I, I don't know where they dug these out, but um, up on Ute Trail apparently was, was a source of uh, some kinds of these metals that they, oh, we are running out of time here. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was all dependent on rails and on the NDM, the um, Ferrocarriles Nacional de Mexico. That's 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 how they ship that stuff south and uh, down to someplace near Mexico City where they actually melt melted the down into belt buckets. And I'll stop talking. This has been another edition of On the Rails with your host, me, Forrest Whitman, at KHEN 106.9 on your FM dial, where you can always listen to podcasts and hear past past. <laughs> I'm going too fast. Here past editions. So that's it from the caboose. The head end is up there with Rick White, our engineer. And we're going to all shout out a good highball. And because we want to keep talking with RT, our former mayor of Salida, who knows all about where we are railroad-wise. Okay, at the countdown. I've thrown the fusee out at the countdown. Four, three, two, one. And we're all going to give a big old highball. Highball! 
Cahen is sponsored in part by Soulcraft Brewing, Salida's hometown brewery, offering a large selection of traditional and seasonal craft beers. Their spacious patio features cozy fire pit tables for outdoor warmth on chilly days. Fresh food is served daily at the Soul Shack food truck, featuring snacks like wings and pretzels, and full meals like sandwiches, burgers, and a delicious brunch on Sunday. Soulcraft is open daily for happy hour, lunch, and dinner.